Hey there, avid listeners. Thanks again for tuning in to Sin's Workshop. Today we're going to be talking about Ink in the Blood. Um, this is a novel that I had some trouble trouble with. Ultimately, in the end, I did like it. But the reason I had so much trouble with it was because I received a digital arc from the publisher for my first time around reading it. About halfway through, I kind of put it down and forgot all about it and it expired um because that's what happens to digital arcs they they do expire you can't access them again so i found an audiobook version on scribd and decided to listen to the book and made it all the way through thankfully i think what my initial problem is that it's a very somber toned novel now again that's not to say that it's bad but it didn't connect with me it didn't create this barrier between me and the story and i found that really unfortunate because i was interested in the plot even from the beginning i was very intrigued with this idea of religion being based around um a tattoo around people chosen as little kids to spread the word of the divine and they do that by marking themselves with tattoos and then sending them off to whoever needs that guidance because the images are supposed to serve as guidance for the individual so I think it's an interesting plot even from the get-go because you do get to see how it strains the characters how put some strain on them because they're taking away free will in a way and it's come to their attention that their religion um has become corrupt you know bureaucracy whoever can pay like a husband who's abusing his wife saying she's threatening to leave him he can pay them and be like you need to imprint my wife to tell her she needs to stay and a situation like that does happen in the story so that's why I use that as an example because that's how the church in this you know novel is abusing their power it does remind me of uh, early Catholicism of the church how there was lots of corruption involved in it it did remind me a lot of that so that's probably why i found this novel pretty engaging because i was raised catholic so i know a lot of um catholic history i'm not catholic in case you're wondering but that is something that i thought was very interesting and why i think the plot overall is engaging because it does question this idea of enlightenment uh it does question this idea of how much power you should give to a church and it does encourage looking for answers within yourself uh and to and your neighbor you know trusting your instincts and just going with them so i do think it is an interesting plot line especially when you get to the point where celia meets 
um, the divine. And I just had her name in my head. I was like saying it, pronounce it right, pronounce it right. Um, gosh. In any case, the divine is no longer a caring. She is Diavala. There we go. Haha. <laughs> Diavala is no longer caring. What she is is malicious. And that's because her first time around living when she did have the power of the ink to control it, she was killed out of fear. People feared her. And of course, then, you know, the people who loved her and cherished her, they started this whole religion based on her and inklings. That's what you call these people, the, the kids who can spread the message of their divine through their ink, inklings. The show, so that was interesting. The second time around, she made a pact with a dark being to come back because she didn't want to abandon her people. She didn't want to continue doing what she was doing, so she does that. However, her power doesn't work the same way, and so they call her the devil. You know, uh, she claims to be Divala claimed to be, you know, the divine. She's like, no, it's me. I'm here. I'm back. I, I, I'm here to continue giving you guidance. And they um, flog her to death. So then she dies again. So on some level, you feel bad for her. Because all she wanted to do was help people. And what did it get her? It got her murdered twice. So you do feel bad for you for her. So she does make an interesting antagonist because of how she is manipulating the church. She wants to spread Profeta so that she can continue to corrupt people and control their lives. Gone is the kind-hearted one who used to exist. So you do find her compelling as an antagonist. But again, you know, it's a bit, the plot is stretched so uh, thinly. I feel like there's a lot that could have been condensed because it does, after a time, and this is probably why I put it down, it does start to feel repetitive. The message starts to feel repetitive. It's just like keeps, and the somber tone of it, it's like it's, pressing a weight on you and it, it really did press a weight on me when I was reading it just because it's a very tense story it does have a very somber tone it does have a very serious tone to it you would think with a traveling theater troupe there would be more lightness to it but it doesn't really work uh, I don't really see any lightness uh, and vibrancy to it. It's just this constant, Celia's in this constant um, state of turmoil and turbulence and tension and she's just like ah, ah, ah all the time. So it's like Celia doesn't get a chance to really breathe and we as the reader, we don't really get a chance to breathe either. So I think, you know, maybe if the story 
if there had been more lightness to it, I think it could have balanced out the somberness of the tone. It would have made it drag a lot less, in my personal opinion. Now, as for the characterization, um, I do appreciate the author's attempt at including the LGBTQ community and non-binary uh, readers. I just think it missed the mark because a lot of the time Celia early on she addresses herself as she. She's like maybe I'll change it to they, they to they, them. She, it, it almost feels like it's a choice. Uh, I feel like that's how the author is treating it, like it's a choice, um, instead of just being true to yourself, to your identity. So that kind of bothered me a little bit just because I, I have a lot of close friends and they are, you know, non-binary. Um, and this is not what I got from them. So I feel like this author kind of treats it like it's a choice early on in the novel. What I also didn't like was um, there's not a lot of clarity as far as the relationship between Celia and Anya. I was a little confused. I was just like, oh, they're romantic. And then nothing really more romantic happens to them. And it looks more like a sisterly bond for a bunch of the time, especially when Celia meets the plate daughter. So I was a little confused by their relationship and their dynamic. I didn't fully understand it because I was confused because I was just like, are they romantic with one another or are they just best friends who are like sisters? <laughs> I feel like there did need to be some clarification especially when you are trying to make an attempt to include the LGBTQ community in your novel. I really do think that there does need to be some clarification on who these characters are so that we as readers can connect to them. And later on in the book, there is a lot of, you know, the, the pacing finally starts to speed up for that last quarter of the book, um, which I did appreciate. And I thought that last quarter was very engaging, but my main issue again was there were times where Celia and Anya, their voices just kind of bled together. I think this would have been one of those points where reading it would have been better than listening to it. Just because I was ultimately I had to keep rewinding I'm like okay who's talking right now because this sounds like Celia but is it Anya so there was a lot of confusion at the end um when I was listening to the audiobook I was wondering who was who in the story like who who's talking so I think it did need to be clearer uh they both definitely need to have more distinct voices. Ultimately, in the end, you know who's, who is talking. But for those scenes where it's a lot of high tension and it's very fast-paced, it does lose some of its clarity. But once again, you know, I did enjoy the story more the second time around uh, listening to it than 
I was when I was reading it and once again I think it all connects to the tone of the story because it is so somber it is very serious reading it just kind of weighed me down to the point where I put it put the book down and forgot about it you know I think that you never ever want to just put a book down and forget about it I think that doesn't really give a good reflection of this novel but listening to it was significantly better um so i'm gonna go ahead and give ink in the blood three and a half stars i do think it was a i think the narrative of it is well done it's just the interior of it that really isn't done very well unfortunately but you know ultimately i think it has a good message so challenging religion and challenging faith you know that doesn't mean you have to lose faith it just means you have to challenge your perception of faith and find out what's really good for you as an individual so that's what i and also not giving so much power to religion to control your life. So once again, this is Ink in the Blood. I'm going to go ahead and give it four stars. Uh, please purchase the book off of bookshop.org if you are interested in buying it. Please check out the book from your local library if you're on the fence. And please continue to support me by liking this podcast and sharing it with all your book-loving friends. Happy reading. Mm-hmm.